everyone and welcome to the latest edition of Smith & Hesson. We've had a couple of weeks off actually because there hasn't been a, a heck of a lot happening in the cricket world so we took a bit of downtime but we're back now because the IPL is back big and strong and uh, the man who's in charge of running the whole of it for the Royal Challengers Bangalore, Mike Hesson, of course uh, my partner in crime here, is a very happy man at the moment. We're, we're going to talk about that with uh, Mike very shortly, just how they've hit the ground running so hard and have been so superb. Uh, but first of all, I think one of the hottest topics, Mike, on the agenda at the moment uh, is this, uh, the red listing of India by certain countries. And when I say red listing, because of the COVID situation, uh, a number of countries are refusing to let Indi people from India or Indian residents returning back to their countries of birth, etc., or whatever, uh, back into the country. I mean, there's just no travel between the two. How is that affecting your situation individually? How do you perceive it will affect the, the IPL and cricket going forward? Yeah, look, it's, it's probably a little bit early to know, Smitty. Um, I mean, at the moment, we're in our little biosecure bubbles, um, traveling from place to place, and we're, we're very isolated in terms of what, we're, what we do, but we realize that outside of that, um, you know, India's in, certainly in a bit of turmoil. So, um, look, we're obviously reading all the news articles with interest, uh, along with everybody else. I guess what ha has happened previously with, with the travel from country to country is because uh, players and, and coaches or whatever are in bio-bubbles, then they're potentially secure in terms of being able to move um, because they're getting tested every day or every couple of days. Um, there's some really strict protocols around that. Um, everyone travels sort of in PPE suits or, you know, whatever's deemed to be appropriate. So um, I know when players have come from South Africa and other potentially red-listed areas or, or countries... Um, that's been the way they've got around it. So, look, plenty of water to go under the bridge between now and hopefully when we um, are looking to leave or, or, or India's head, looking to head to, to England for the World Test Championship. Um, but certainly I'm sure there's plenty of work going on behind the scenes, that's for sure. So I've been through Indian airports and even in normal times they are chaotic and uh, pretty hard work. So just explain, do you, do you go and mix in the public areas or do you, uh, when you say you're in your bubble, are you on buses straight to the aeroplane, straight up the stairs, on your own aeroplane, back off, back to your bubble, into your hotel? Is that how basically how it works? That's basically how it works, yeah. So we're at, at a different terminal. So we, we hire a, a special, a, a separate terminal. So we don't go through public areas. Um, we, as you said, we literally stay on our bus until we can get straight into the security part straight through security, um, straight onto the plane. So, um, yeah, we're very much away from the public arena. Um, as I said, it takes a little bit longer, um, obviously, in terms of making sure that there's that social distancing and space um, and making sure no one's standing around in, in any areas. But, yeah, we're pretty much straight on the bubble, straight to our hotel, which is on... We get a separate entrance to the hotel, um, separate lifts, and then we're in our own floors. So we don't mix with, um, with anybody else at all. Um, yeah, very much in our own biosecure areas. So, look, we feel safe within that area um, and there's certainly been a heck of a lot of work going on behind the scenes to make sure that we do feel that way. What we can talk about is what actually is happening at the moment and the, the fact of the matter is your side is playing outstanding cricket. Uh, you're uh, unbeaten. Uh, there's been 12 games completed in the competition. You've got six points. You're three on four snapping at your heels uh, and uh, a couple of sides not going so well. First of all, What's been the secret, Mike? Uh, I, and I, I guess well, I could compliment you and say planning because I know you've been over there for a long time. But it's all turning out to be good on the field. What's been your secret there? 
Uh, look, a big part of that is we've had two two key players um, play really well on a difficult surface, um, and they got in form early. Both Maxwell and Ab De Villiers um, have been the standouts in terms of at Chennai. Um, in terms of Chennai, has been really difficult to, to chase in particular. Um, generally, after ten overs, the the balls got so soft that um, a lot of your power players and all the other sides have really struggled to get any momentum. So, um, you know, Maxwell's hit the ground running. He's basically gone out and taken that pressure off our the rest of our middle order in terms of scoring. Um, so he's scored at a good clip. It's allowed the other guys to, to have time to get in. And then we've had two um, A.B. de Villiers masterclasses really on a, as I said, on a surface where no one else has been able to, to score much better than a runner ball. So um, that's been a, a huge part for us. I think from a bowling attack, our Indian bowlers have been exceptional. Harshal Patel... Um, who we traded during the off-season has been um, exceptional in those conditions at the death. Uh, that's certainly an area that we identified we needed to strengthen. Uh, Mohamed Siraj has gone from strength to strength. Um, you know, he bowled really well and on the Australian tour, and a lot of New Zealand viewers would have seen him um, make his debut over there, and he bowled exceedingly well. Um, so he's done really well. The young fella Shabazz Ahmed came on and, and turned the game for us um, in our second match against the SRH. So we're having different players stand up at different times, and I guess that's the sign of any successful side. So we've still had a few key players not make a huge contribution yet, which is a good sign for us heading to Mumbai, which um, I think all the batsmen are looking forward to that, to that shift, that's for sure. Kyle Jamison uh, has had three outings. Um, so you, you took a punt with him, a big money punt. Uh, you must be pretty happy with his return too, with first time up in this competition. Yeah, I mean, five wickets in three games has been great for Kyle um, just to get that confidence up. And he's also made three really important contributions with a bat for us. He's um, been a part of three good partnerships. Not huge in terms of numbers, but those partnerships have been critical. Um, you know, him coming in at seven or eight, we promoted him to six the other day. He got 11 off four balls and just create, you know, continued that momentum sort of in the 18th, 19th over. So, uh, look, he's, he started really nicely. Looks like he's confident. Um, and I think, once again, him coming to Mumbai with a little bit more bounce, uh, you know, should suit him better than Chennai. I mean, he never would have played on a surface like that before in his life. So uh, the fact he's got five wickets um, in those conditions is, yeah, it's been great for him and, and great for us. You've also, uh, at the last minute, recruited Finn Allen as a replacement for Philippi. Uh, tell us what he's been doing. Maybe he hasn't uh, made the playing arena yet, but what, what's he doing? What's he learning? Well, he's had a couple of open wickets um, early on in Chennai, and to be fair, he's been impressive. Um, first couple of balls, he's come out against uh, Navdeep Saini and, and whacked him over mid-wicket twice, four, six, first two balls. So all of a sudden, everyone sort of stood up and took notice of what he's got on offer. So he certainly hit the ground running. Um, obviously, he had quarantine, so he, he came into our group a little bit late. And once again, I, I think... Um, the, the, the Chennai surfaces were certainly um, different, but he's starting to make that transition and, and learning from the other guys um, in terms of adapting to really slow turning surfaces. Once again, Mumbai is probably more to his liking. So, you know, he will come into consideration now. I think he's, you know, he's fully fit and fully adjusted um, and just depends the balance we want to go in with. But uh, look, he's, you know, he, he's pretty quiet um, in terms of just soaking it up around the group. Um, but he's also very confident in his own game. So, uh, look, we're really happy to have him here, and he's certainly a, a genuine option for us, um, you know, moving into these other venues. 
At the other end of the table, of course, Sunrise has hired Rabat have yet to um, to earn a point. Now, it's not that worrying for for us back in New Zealand because it's a it's a David Warner led thing. The thing that worries me predominantly is the fact that Kane Williamson hasn't played yet, uh, and he hasn't played yet because he's got this nagging elbow injury. I'm I'm starting to think that this elbow injury is a bit more serious than we've sort of given it time for. And I'm I'm starting to wonder whether he's going to need some sort of major surgery on that elbow at some point because it just continues to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, he's still a relatively young man with a lot to offer. How are you reading that situation? Because he's been out, of, he has not played a lot of cricket this in the last six to eight months. Yeah, we had a good chat with Kane um, before the start of the game the other day. So he's, I think he's pretty much ready to go. So he's, um, you know, it, it was uncomfortable for a while and he hadn't probably hit as many balls as he wanted, but he was feeling pretty confident to to play. Um, so I'd be very surprised if they don't bring him in now. Um, they've got another game, a couple of games in Chennai. Then they go to Delhi, which is another slow surface. So I would have thought probably one of your better players is spin. Um, you want to get him in there as quick as possible. Um, so, yeah, look, to be fair, because I asked him about his hip, his hip, his hip's fine, and I think his elbow's good to go. So... Um, look, I didn't ask specifics, and, and I think um, you know Kane knows his body as well as anyone. And, and obviously, the World Test Championship is a is a huge thing for him and, and all of us in New Zealand. So uh, he certainly wouldn't compromise that. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's ready to go if selected now, based on um, you know just the brief conversation we had the other day. No, oh, that's good news indeed. Uh, I really, uh, I get a bit worried about him from time to time because I know he's had a heavy workload over the last three or four years with all the roles that he performs for the New Zealand side. But I just started to think that he, he might have needed something a bit more serious because uh, for a guy of his ability, he just doesn't play enough at the moment for me. So I, I, I'll keep an eye on that. But you know, it's, it's a bit of a, a bit of a Definitely worry for me. Look, um, yeah. I, I look at the other guys uh, from New Zealand's point of view who are playing in the IPL. Trent Bolt settled into his work, and man, they're, they're a heck of a combination, aren't they? Uh, Boomerang and Bolt. Look, they are Smithy. I mean, obviously left and right, but one's got great slower balls. Um, obviously, Boomerang can do most things, um, but Bolt—he's had to bowl the twentieth over in a couple of games, and he's he's come up trumps. Um, AB uh, probably took to him a little bit in that first game. He didn't quite get it right, but he's he's got that knuckleball coming out beautifully. Um, as I said, come and bowled in two pressure situations and closed the game out. So, yeah, when you know that the last three overs are going to be two from Boomer and one from Bolt, um, it's certainly not something you can be getting, you know, 10s or 12s and over with any certainty. So, yeah, Mumbai have got that um, tied up. And they also got Adam Milne. You would have seen Adam Milne, um, Smithy, the other night, get his first run out, which yeah. was good to see. So what did you what did you see from him? Well, I, you know, I, I like the fact that he's continuing to be fit and available because, you know, he was available one week and not available the next. That was his history for New Zealand for such a long period of time. So, therefore, you know, everyone wanted his pace. They wanted that fire, that bounce, because, you know, we were lacking it. But we couldn't rely on him to be fit and available. And it seems that every time they go to him, he's ready to play. And I think of everything, that's the most impressive thing. He's got bigger. He's got stronger. Um, and I think probably mentally he's in a better place as well. So I'm liking the look of that. I really am going ahead and you know to what we're looking at perhaps uh, uh, September, October, November in you know, the World T20 in, in India. 
uh, I, I think uh, he, he could be a real asset. Uh, particularly, um, you know, he might be in a race with Lockie Ferguson. I don't know. Lockie Ferguson hasn't played any cricket yet. Tim Seifert, Brendan McCullum, of course, is uh, the boss at KKR. He hasn't bothered to, to use those guys at this point. Mitch Santner hasn't played. Jimmy Neesham hasn't played for Mumbai. Um, so, yeah, we, I think we talked about that. They're always perhaps going to be bit part players. Are you surprised that maybe uh, Santner or, or Ferguson haven't had a run? I think Satna will come into consideration when Chennai move um, to a different venue. So if they head to Delhi, then I think he could come into consideration. Um, they spent big money on Mo and Ali. Um, so you presume, obviously, he bats at three and, and bowls, and they've got Jadeja back fully fit. So I guess that makes it difficult for a guy like Satna to get a huge amount of game time, um, especially in Mumbai, where generally it's, it's SEMA-focused. So, um, you know, both those guys bat in the top six or seven. So... I think he's more in there as a backup or a condition-based based guy. Um, Lockie, once again, when I think when they get to Mumbai, which they are now, Lockie could well come into consideration. Um, you know, obviously we saw when he came in last year, he made an impact straight away, um, you know, mm. in Abu Dhabi. And we know mm. that when he's bowling well, he's, you know, he's very, very good. So, you know, those guys could well get an opportunity more as the tournament progresses, I think. Number one on the batting list at the moment and runs uh, accumulated is Glenn Maxwell. Uh, outstanding, as you say, playing very, very well. You've already mentioned A.B. de Villiers, at num who's at number three. So you've got two of the top three. So that's one of the reasons which you're going so well. Um, but uh, that leads to the A.B. de Villiers' eternal question, will he be available for South Africa again? So uh, the T20 World Cup is, is on the calendar. Uh, he's playing so damn well. He's 37 years of age, uh, like, and he's apparently been... Uh, in the odd sort of informal conversation with a few people, including Mark Boucher, but he has said openly that they will have a, a proper discussion at some stage uh, during this IPL. Uh, he's been unbelievably good there, and you'd, you'd have to have him if he was remotely interested in Indian conditions. I read a stat this morning. He's, his death over strike rate, in other words, right at the end when uh, things are going and, and the pace bowlers come back to bowl those quick Yorkers and slow balls, etc. His rate, his strike rate is 234.37. Now, that's just, it's out of this world crazy. Look, when, when I was coach of the Black Caps, we, we played against AB a few times, and you, you only play them against, against them every now and again. And you go, look, he's, you know, he's a really good player. But when you spend every day with him from last year, which we did, you work out he's actually really good. Uh, he's an incredibly special player. And... Um, you know, he just does things that, that no one else in the world can do, and he does it regularly. Um, you know, so, I mean, the role we've asked him to play this year is is probably one of the hardest roles. I mean, he batted on the slowest wicket in the country, coming out at five when the ball's soft and everybody's struggling, and he still does what he can do. So it just shows how good he is. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're, if you or I are sitting at a selection table for South Africa, I don't think it would be a very long one, Smithy. No, I, I look. I'd, I'd be on my knees actually, Hester, on my hands and knees. If, if I was coaching a side, if, if my job depended on it, because that, that's what international coaches thrive on is success and how they keep their jobs is to do well. My God, I want all the tools in the tool bag, and and if he is remotely available, mate, I'm cooking him dinner every night until he gives up and says yes. So it's just, it's just, it's just a, a given for me. He, he's just so darn good and. Uh, he's not your typical 37-year-old, let's be fair. I mean, that guy's been an athlete. He's played across the board in all sports, left hand, right hand, upside down. He's brilliant at everything. Yeah. Oh, look, he's, yeah, I mean, he 
plays golf off scratch. Like everything he does, he makes look easy. So you're right. I mean, he's 37, but you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know. It. I mean, he's he's wicket keeping because he he loves it, loves being involved in the game. Um, you know, and he comes up with his own sort of technique. But because he's got such amazing hand-eye coordination, he he, he gets the job done. Um, and he could he could field. He can do whatever you want, really. So yeah, he'd certainly be one of the first on my team sheet. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think we agree forever on that. Hey, look, um, tribute time again, and uh, there hasn't been a lot of cricket, of course, uh, happening back home, but uh, Ian Galloway passed away, um, and you'd know Ian Galloway, I imagine, through your time in, in Dunedin, um, one of Dunedin's most, New Zealand's most respected uh, citizens, of course, a very successful uh, solicitor down there. Uh, but we knew him um, as predominantly as a cricket commentator, he actually, at the time of his death, was the oldest living first-class cricketer in New Zealand, which was something oh. I, I wasn't aware of in, until I found that out. But I remember him, um, Hess, as being one of the, the nicest men I'd ever met in my life. He, you'd never meet a more pleasant person. Um, and I grew up um, listening to uh, sports, radio, sports Roundup with all the cricket. used to go from ground to ground to ground. And every time you knew um, you went to Carrisbrook, you'd hear those beautiful, beautiful sounds of Ian Galloway with a bit of Langford Smith thrown in as well. And uh, you'd just get, you'd be able to picture what was actually happening at the Brook because his description of the game was so clear, so precise, so smooth. Uh, but I, 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 we're missing a, a great man of, of New Zealand sport, but of great, a great legacy he leaves of commentary, I think, particularly radio commentary. In New Zealand, a, a heck of a guy, um, and I, I, I just think he's so special. What are your memory, memories of him? Yeah, I just remember him turning up to the long room um, at University Oval, like in the later years, the latter years, and, and just sitting next to him and just listening, and him just telling stories about, uh, yeah, his commentary and and all his experiences at Carisbrook. Um, I remember as a kid growing up, sitting at Carisbrook with the radio on. Um, and just listening to him all day, you know, watching first-class cricket or, or whatever. So he, his voice, those, yeah, such a, um, those dulcet tones, I guess, of, of Ian Galloway um, was just, and just the way he described the game, he was, you actually did feel like you were there. So whether I was sitting in the stand or, or at home, you always felt like you, you got such a great description of not only what just happened, but actually where the game was at at that time. Um, it was just, yeah, just a, a lovely man, and then just sitting and listening to him, and just really enjoyed his passion for the game. And um, him and Peter Sellers used to sit together in the long room and, and talk, and I just sort of try and sidle up and just sit there and listen. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was a pretty special time. So, um, yeah, I just lots of fond memories, Smithy. Yeah, lots of fond memories. His, his partnership he had with Jeremy Coney, John Parker, and Brian Waddle was. Uh, one of the most uh, engaging. They just worked together so well. And I think I recall a game of cricket where uh, he commentated an over at Eden Park. It was a very flat afternoon at the end of a test match and nothing much was happening. And a lot of people around the ground had their transistors on. So what they did, apparently, they say this is true, uh, he turned his back uh, to the game, with his, uh, still commentating, so he had his back to the game. And Coney and Parker were going through the motions of what was happening on the field and he was trying to describe the game of cricket through the back of his head on their actions out, out behind him. So 
Apparently, it was just hysterical. Wow. Uh, I hope somewhere there's a tape of it because they were in hysterics. The crowd at the ground were in hysterics. And I'm sure everyone driving down the road was as well. But that was his, uh, his special trait. He could combine as a commentator with, um, with I mean, Benno, like for me, Benno, welcoming, you know, welcoming along, you feel, make you feel very comfortable sitting alongside him, um, but just pure class. So uh, sorely missed, sorely missed Ian Galloway um, and a great contribution. Uh, also rewarded for a great contribution to the New Zealand Cricket Awards, Jeff Crow. Uh, was the latest recipient of the Burt Sutcliffe Medal. Now, of course, Jeff Crow, Chopper, um, New Zealand captain, New Zealand secondary schools captain, all the way through, um, went to South Australia to apply his trade and learn the game uh, under the likes of Ian Chappell and around people like David Hawks and Go. Uh, but of late, of course, yes, I think uh, 12 to 15 years as a match referee. Uh, and by and large, That's he's right. had the odd slip-up, they all do, but very popular. Yeah, he certainly was. I mean, to be fair, that's one of the things probably we missed the most is that being with New Zealand, we never got to have Jeff our match referee until COVID's come along and he's done a lot of the home games. So he never got to do any matches in New Zealand, um, but had a chance to to share some time with them actually at Ross Dykes' funeral. And um, yeah, just a great man, loves the game, and keeps in touch with what's happening with New Zealand cricket all the time, but obviously he hasn't been as directly involved as you know he or, or we would have liked um, but yeah, you, on the circuit, he's hugely respected. You know, you come across any of the other teams, captains or coaches, and he's tough. I mean, you, you remember him probably as a as a youngster when you were playing. Um, oh, actually, you would have played with him a huge amount, I'm sure. But he was always known as a tough taskmaster from all the people that I talked to when he was on the field. Uh, I remember talking to Rigger, um, Mark Richardson, when he was his captain, and he was a bit scared of him. Um, but he certainly didn't come across that way when I when I was able to spend some time with him. But what, what memories have you got of, of Chopper on the field? Was he was he tough? Well, he had to captain a fairly strong side, you know. Um, you know, he had some fairly powerful figures on the side. Sometimes as a younger player, that's that's a bit hard to do. But unless you are able to gain the respect of them as a leader and as a person as well. Uh, and Jeff Crow has certainly had that, you know. Um, he's no, he'll always tell you his never as good a player as his brother, Martin, and he'll always admit to that. In fact, he, uh, Chopper's, one of his great sayings when he was um, uh, when he was meeting people for the first time, he'd say, hi, I'm Jeff, I'm Martin Crow's brother. And even though he was in the same side, you know, it's just, <laughs> it, it, just, it was quite funny, actually. But uh, Chop, he, he's done well. I'm, I'm so glad that um, he, he's been, he's managed to do this and, and uh, he, he's dedicated a hell of a lot of his life to cricket. So, and still going and, and still very, very keen on what he does. I spoke to him, had a cup of coffee with him just the other day. And the other, um, of course, the big winner in the night was once again, Kane Williamson, who uh, uh, received the, the, the Richard Hadley Award uh, for Supreme New Zealand Cricketer. Uh, interesting one because he had been injured a lot, but I think a fair enough award. A lot of people, um, I think there's a bit of speculation about Conway or even Jamison for the effect that they've, they've had um, in a short space of time, but Conway can't, for mine, doesn't qualify as yet because he doesn't play Test cricket, hasn't played Test cricket, and I think, I think that's the, the hardest form of the game, and the most satisfying to come through is Test cricket still, and so I, I, I kind of feel that if you haven't played that, you, you you find it going to find it very very hard to win that award. Yeah, I think so, and I think history suggests that Sir Richard Hadley Medal is is based largely around Test cricket and, and the impact you have on that. So, sure, I'm sure Jamison would have been um, considered because he was outstanding uh, this season with the ball in, in Test matches. But 
the impact that Kane had um, in tough times, you know, having lost a lot of tosses, got thrown in on some green wickets early on in the season, mm. uh, that double hundred against Pakistan, the, you know, the big hundred at, at Hag, like he just kept rolling them out to a point where, um, you know, if New Zealand were ever in trouble at any stage, you know, enter Kane Williamson. Um, and he always got us ahead of the game and then the bowlers came into it. So I think thoroughly deserved. Um, you know, he's just such a fine player. And as I said, he does it so many times in tough conditions, which, you know, I know his teammates just hugely respect. Yeah, OK. We'll leave it at that. Yes, there's nothing else uh, really going on in the world of cricket at the moment. A few meetings over rule changes, etc., but nothing firm as yet. But we'll keep an eye on that as well. Hey, look, stay, enjoy Mumbai as much as Mumbai as you can. Just your bedroom again on the cricket ground. But uh, always yeah. um, always good yeah. to chat. Uh, the main thing is, mate, stay safe, hey, and we'll catch up next week. Thanks, Smitty. Appreciate it. You too.